You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Come on. It's an honor. Such an honor to be in this house, this sacred desk. Pastor Bob, you know our, my history and legacy with you and just uh, your, your family has meant so much to my family. So, And then uh, Pastor Landon and Heather, you know, we have a pretty amazing pastor, y'all. Yeah, he has such great integrity, great leadership. I know more stories of what he's done behind the scenes than y'all can even imagine. Your reputation precedes you. Yeah, one of those amazing emerging apostles in the body of Christ. He already is one, but even more. God is just so much more that he's going to do through your life. Turn with me in your Bibles. So turn on your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're doing a teaching series, nine weeks on the gifts of the Spirit. And so I have the privilege of coming before you to teach on one particular gift of the Spirit, the word of knowledge. Word of, never preached this before, so this is hot off the press. All right, I've been up since like two, two or three in the morning, just like, ah, just geeking out over this message because I've never studied this so in depth and didn't realize how rich this is. I've operated in the word of knowledge, but to teach on it, I've never taught a message, preached a message on word of knowledge. So picking up where Pastor left off last week, I want, to, I want you to read John 4, 7 through 15 with me. It says this, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For, this disciple, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, then you would have asked him and he would have gave, given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw, no, nothing... Yes, blah, 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 blah. Anybody get an interpretation for that? <laughs> so you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water that I have given will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Isn't that powerful? Then um, if you would, let's skip to, look at Genesis. Hey, man, come on. You got a word of knowledge for us. <laughs> Genesis 45, 26 through 28. He's a cute one. This is a powerful story. This is Joseph being reconciled to his brothers. Now his father who thinks he's dead, 22 years, doesn't know his son is alive. He's about to find out his son is alive. We'll expound on this more, but let me read this for you. Genesis 
45, 26. Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them, he gave changes of garments, but to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. To his father, he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his father on the journey. And they told him, talking about the sons, they're telling their father, saying, Joseph is yet alive. He is governor in the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. So we're going to talk about the why of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to hone in on word of knowledge. Let's pray. Jesus, we absolutely love you, God. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We magnify your holy name. This morning, God, we thank you that you are the giver of the gifts. Father, you gave your son. Son, you gave the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you released gifts to us. That still reveal that you're alive. Give us the grace to respond to your voice in this hour, Lord. Will you release in our midst words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of revelation for this moment right here. Oh, great Logos, release your rhema in our midst. We bind every demonic spirit that would try to hinder or thwart what you want to do today. And Holy Spirit, do what you do best and what you love most to do. Make us love Jesus Christ more than we did before we first came in. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. So I love this, I love talking about the gifts, love these stories. But I want to start off first with a scripture that I didn't give the, <laughs> didn't, didn't give the media team. It's Proverbs 25 and 2. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Says this, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to find a thing out or to search a thing out. The glory of God to conceal a matter. What's, what's the glory in concealing? And it's the glory of kings to find a thing out. What does that look like? I believe this is what the romance of the gospel looks like. How God romances us with the gospel. So <clears throat> sometimes I'll take my little wife, De Havilland. She's here today. Stand up, De Havilland, say hi to everybody. All right. <laughs> Wife to Havilland. De Havilland, you talk about word of knowledge, man. <laughs> She's one of the most powerful preachers I know, one. But then two, that's like every day of the week. Like half the people at the Sprouts uh, around the corner from us are saved because my wife. When I can't find my wife in the grocery store, I just listen for the weeping. <laughs> and I go to aisle eight or aisle nine, and there she is giving a word to somebody. <laughs> But I, like to, I still, you know, we still like to date. I like to date her. And so sometimes I'll tell her to just get in the car. I'll tell her what she, what she needs to wear, what she needs to put on, and I'll just drive. And she's like, where are we going? I said, you'll know when we get there. Am I dressed appropriate? She's like, yeah, you're fine. So one time I did this. <laughs> and uh, I took her to one of those skydiving. Have you ever been to those skydiving simulation places? It's like one big wind tunnel. Right, and you, you go in and uh, there's no David Copperfield stuff, there's no wires. You actually go in there and <laughs> wind blows and you fly. And it, feels, it simulates what it's like to, to jump out of an airplane. And so 
I knew this was inside of her. But I knew if I told her ahead of time, she wouldn't want to go. So I told her what to wear. And she's like, you know, dress kind of down for one of these things that you like to do. I was like, yeah, you'll like it when you get there. So we get there. And we pull up to the place. She said, Will Ford, there's no way I'm going inside that building right there. I had no idea. I said, I know it. I said, but you're going to love it. She's like, I'm not going in there, y'all. She comes with me into the place. We go up to the elevator. I'm not going in there. She, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting on this jumpsuit. She puts on the jumpsuit. I'm not wearing those goggles. She's wearing the goggles. I'm not getting in that tube and flying around. I said, let me do it first. So I get in there and I'm... I wasn't that, I was okay. But when she saw me do it, and the others, and the simulation guys, oh gosh, she was like, she was all over the place, doing tricks. I knew she was gonna love it, why? Because it was my glory to conceal it. But it was her glory to find the thing out. That's how God is with us with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's his glory. Sometimes he'll t- ask us to get in the car. All he give us is a word or two to get us in the car. The next thing you know, he takes us and takes us to a place that's way better than we can ever imagine. And we had way more fun than we realized because it was the glory of God to conceal the matter, but it was our glory to find that out. Amen. How many of y'all say that's the same thing over your life and your salvation experience, right? People in the back, they know what I'm talking about. That's what this gospel is like. That's what happened to the woman at the well. Think about it. She's from Samaria, between the Samaritans and the Jews, 800 years, some scholars say, of conflict between the two of them, ethically. Racial division between the two. They couldn't stand each other. They thought they defiled each other if they came into each other's presence. So you had a gender thing going on too because the thing of a man talking to a woman at a well. So Jesus asking her for a drink of water would be like a white man asking a black man for a drink of water at a water fountain in the 50s. That's what that felt like. It was that kind of level of tension. Now you get it, right? (laughs) That's what was going on. So he gets a word of knowledge. He tells her, hey, go ask your husband to come to give me the water then. She said, I don't have a husband. She said, he says to her, yeah, you're right. The one you have now is not your husband and you've had five other husbands. He gives this prophetic word. She says, oh, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And she leaves her water pot and she becomes a living well. And all the people around the countryside find out about this encounter. Why? Because... The gifts of the Spirit expand territory, right? So we're in a season right now of expansion here at uh, Mercy Culture. Personally, too, we bought a house in Fort Worth, and uh, it'll be finished in about two months, right? Hopefully less than two months. Spanish spiritual church, we're putting our feet on the ground here. And so 1 Chronicles 4.10 Jabez called upon God saying, oh, if that you would bless me indeed and enlarge, expand my territory. Jesus' ministry gets expanded through the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what God is doing with us as well. Let's look at these gifts of the Holy Spirit real quick. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. For the one is given through the Spirit 
the utterance of wisdom, to another utterance of word of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gift of healing by the one spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various types of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same self, same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. They're beautiful. So let's look at the definitions real quick, just to recap. Wisdom, what is that? The supernatural application of God's word. The word of knowledge is the supernatural ability to know and understand mysteries of heaven and earth. It's more than, oh, we'll get into that in a second. I won't get it myself. Faith, the ability to believe God for the impossible. Healing, the journey of wholeness of a person's mind, body, or spirit to operate in the way God intended. Miracles, supernatural power, the manifestation of the impossible. Prophecy, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to edify, warn, announce, or reveal future. Discerning between the spirits, the ability to know by what spirit a person is motivated, the ability to know what spirit is in operation. Tongues, the ability to pray the mysteries of God and strengthen the spirit of a man through a heavenly language. Interpretation of tongues, the supernatural ability to understand and receive revelation from a language you did not learn. So let's talk about the, the five W's of the gifts of the spirit. First, who are they for? Everybody, first service I said everybody. And that's true, they're for everybody. What are the gifts of the Spirit for? They are spiritual tools to advance the kingdom of God and expand territory. Where are the gifts of the Spirit from? God. James 1:17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I love what Pastor said last week. He said, um, he said, the Father gave the Son, the Son gave the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gave the gifts. Isn't that beautiful? When? When were the gifts released? When Jesus gave them. They're in the upper room, cloven tongues of fire, fall up on their head. Why are they important? One, the expansion of territory, but the other thing that's key about the why is that when people see the gifts, it reveals that we have a, a living, risen Savior. Best Old Testament example for that is what you saw there in Genesis 45. Some of you are familiar with the story of Joseph. Remember, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And they went back to their father, Jacob, also who becomes Israel. They go back to Jacob and they say, ah, you know, he, here's his coat. And they put some blood on it and say he's eaten by some wild wolves or whatever. And so for 22 years, that father weeps over his, one of his youngest sons, believes for 22 years that his son is dead. His brother's finally in Calorum in Egypt, and you know the story. He says to him, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many people alive. And so they have this powerful reconciliation moment. Pharaoh finds out about it. He says, hey, you know what? Go get the rest of your family. Go back and get, get your wives and bring your father. Y'all all come to Egypt. So Jacob is getting ready to become, come to Egypt to meet his son. He doesn't know it. Joseph, in preparation for that, he sends a couple of things to him. One, he sends 10 wagons full of the best gifts of Egypt, along with 10 wagons full of all the grain and the bread of Egypt. Those were the gifts that he set aside just for his father to bring his father back. So you read the story. When the sons 
came to, came to Jacob and they said, a brother, Joseph is alive and he's a ruler in Egypt. You saw what he said that his heart fainted because he didn't believe him. But then they told him all the words that Joseph said to him and something began to change. But everything changed when he saw the gifts. When he saw the gifts that Joseph sent to him, he said, it is enough. I know my son is alive. And his heart was revived. In other words, his heart was revived when he heard the words of his son and he saw the gifts. The gifts were the sign that his son was alive. Listen, it's the same way for people around us. Jesus has gone into a, the invisible kingdom, coming back for us. But as the sign that he's alive, we're to carry forth his word. We can tell him our opinions all day long, but when we start telling people his word and then showing them his gifts, their heart begins to get revived and they believe that Jesus is alive. That's what I want to share with you today in some of these powerful stories. So I'm going to share stories with you about word of knowledge. I'm going to share, um, I'm going to expand the way you think about word of knowledge. Primarily we've used it just for uh, healing ministry, but it, it goes beyond that. God wants to be involved in every single aspect of your life. He wants you to become supernaturally practical. He wants you to have a, have a, have a, open heaven over you so that when you hear from him, you can act on what he wants you to do. And next thing you know, shh, You're going to take flight. <laughs> All right. So what is a word of knowledge? Now this, God really expanded my thinking on this this week. The First Corinthians 12, it says, a, you have a word of knowledge. The, well, a couple of different words for word. One is rhema in the Greek. We know the, the rhema word. We love that charismatic, charismatics, don't we? We get that rhema word, and that's when we get the, oh, get the quickening, right? <laughs> you read the word, oh, you know, something jumps off in you, right? <laughs> Written word comes alive into a situation, into a moment. The word of God jumps off the page. That's great. And we've reduced logos down to just, oh, it's just merely the written word. That's not necessarily the case. The logos was an utterance. It was a word, but it was Bigger, that, bigger than that in terms of a concept. Listen to this. Logos is different from rhema. So we're also often getting excited about that, but we reduce the meaning of logos simply to the written word, but it's so much more. Logos was for the Greeks, a principal way of understanding how the world unifies in an orderly cosmos. Despite the differences among all the major civilizations that have, been, that have believed in a divine order that lays down a law for both natural and human realms that unified the world into an orderly cosmos, preventing randomness and chaos, every civilization has something like that. In the Far East, they called it Tao. Ancient Egypt, they called it Ma'at. But the Greeks had an understanding for that. Their understanding of how order prevented chaos was Logos. They believe that the Logos was this principle or concept through the pantheon of all their gods that prevented chaos and brought some type of order. So in John 1, when John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, the word he uses there, y'all, is not rhema. It's the word Logos. He knew that every Greek thinker in that day would read those words 
and realize that what he's saying is this. Y'all are talking about a principle, but I'm talking about a person. Y'all talking about a concept, but I'm talking about Christ. Jesus Christ is the Logos. He is the divine logic. He is the supreme logic between heaven and earth. All things are held together by him, for him, and unto him. Everything is held together by the word of his mouth. He is our Logos. So we can't dumb it down. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the Logos building block for all things seen and unseen because all things were created by him and for him and unto him. Every Greek who heard John's gospel understood that he was claiming that Christ himself is the source of the order and coherence of the universe. As Paul put it, in him all things are held together. Colossians 1.17 Creation has a rational, intelligible order that reflects God's creative plan. The word logic actually comes from the word Logos. My friend Dean Briggs says it like this. He says, in essence, Logos is God's eternal logic revealed into our time and space. So that's Logos, word of knowledge, word, Logos. So the next thing is knowledge, word of knowledge. A couple of different words for knowledge in the Greek. One is gnosko, epigonosko, which means experiential, intimate knowing because the learner is pursuing to understand an object or a person, right? And then the other word for, for, for knowledge is just gnosis, means just to know. Interesting enough, that's the word that Paul chose to use there, gnosis. So what's so powerful is this, when you pursue God in an experiential gnosis way to learn more about him, you'll find yourselves in situations where Mr. Logos will release his logic and understanding in the midst of your chaos and your life begins to make sense. You become a problem solver to society. You become a solutionary in your time. And so words of knowledge are not just relegated to just this one specific realm for just healing ministry. I want you to think of it even beyond that in a different realm. Word of knowledge are God's inspired thoughts coming into human minds. And they come in different ways to help us understand the mysteries in heaven and in earth. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, What ask of me, and I'll show you great and mighty things you know not of. Question is, who's asking? Ask. It's for the asking. It's for the asking. Though many times using healing ministry, I talked about that. So let me talk about how this is not just relegated to the prayer room, but also for the boardroom. From the kitchen table to the boardroom. I believe words of knowledge, God wants to release them. I'm telling you, even in this church, creativity, innovation, inventions, it's about to go to a whole nother level. First time, I try to think back, when was the first time I ever got received a prophetic word? When I first ever like received a word of knowledge or something like that? And I think back, it was when I was like 16 years old. 16 years old, went to go visit my grandmother. She lived on Verbena Street there in the south side of Fort Worth. And uh, she, was, she was something else. How you like that? It's a good catch. Thank you. I'm on the good hands team. So, so anyway, I go to visit my grandmother, 16 years old. And... Uh, she said, Pookie, because that's my nickname. We're family now, so y'all can get to know stuff. You can't call me that, but that's my nickname. <laughs> you know, 
Oh, when I graduated, oh, man, everybody shouted, Pook. You know, I was a basketball player. I was pretty good. I mean, don't let the little patent leather shoes fool you. I cross you up. <laughs> back in the day. I don't, I don't have the skills like I used to, but back in the day. 16 years old, I'm at our house. He said, Pookie, see that pot in the backyard? I said, what pot? The pot over there in the backyard, look at it. It's like, what? He said, boy, don't you see that blanket, that bank pot back there? Look over there, turn it. Yeah, she was kind of like Madea, all right? I mean, she quotes scripture, but she'll cuss you out every now and then too. She just, <laughs> my grandmother was something else. Finally, I see it sticking halfway up out of the ground. I said, yeah, I see that pot. She said, God gonna use you with that pot someday. I'm gonna make sure before I die, Ned gave you that pot. That was my father's nickname, Ned. So what's so important about that pot? She said, boy, that pot come from slavery. They used it for cooking, but they secretly used it for prayer. And they didn't pray for their freedom. They prayed for the freedom of their children and their children's children. So I talked to my dad the next day about it. He said, oh yeah, I remember that story. Harriet Lockett, my great grandmother used to tell me the story. He said, five years old, I used to trump clothes in that pot and wash clothes. We didn't have a washing machine, but my feet were the agitators. <laughs> I washed clothes in that pot and my great grandmother would tell me how that pot was used by the slaves to pray for our freedom. He said they would turn it upside down and prop it up with some rocks and lay flat on the ground and pray underneath the opening between the ground and the kettle so that the kettle popped both of their voices as they prayed through the night. So that pot, long story short, I wind up taking that pot, y'all. I've taken it all around the world to remind people of the prayer bowls in heaven. Remember Revelation 5 and 8 said, are golden bowls in heaven full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They use that pot as an acoustic means to get their prayers from being heard. But literally, there's a prayer bowl over mercy culture. There's a prayer bowl over your family. There's a prayer bowl over Fort Worth. There's a prayer bowl over Tarrant County. God's looking for a new generation to resource the prayer bowls once again. So long story short and a few other prophetic words, I had this dream with Dr. King in it where God dealt with me about unforgiveness issues that I had with the race issue growing up. So my friend Lou Ingo says, share that dream at the Lincoln Memorial MLK Celebration Day. There was a white guy who I didn't know at the time who was led to that gathering because of a dream. Had a dream about the man over the event and didn't know he existed. Looked him up on the internet, saw the same man from his dream. He freaks out. He comes to that event. We became friends. We've been friends for almost 18 years now. Well, fast forward. That white friend of mine, Matt Lockett, he found out that the Civil War ended in his family's front yard. So we thought, man, what a cool coincidence. I have this kettle pot where slaves pray for freedom. Yeah, this house where General Lee fought his last battle. We thought, what a cool coincidence. But then we stumbled on more research and we learned that it was his family who owned my family where the kettle pot came from. And we met at the Lincoln Memorial, both led by dreams, to the place where Dr. King said, now I have a dream speech. I have a dream that one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit together at the table of brotherhood. So maybe grandmother was on to something when I was 16 years old, sitting at the kitchen table, looking at a pot in the backyard saying, boy, God's going to use you with that pot someday. I don't know all, but I know, I'm going to make sure you get that pot. Why? She got a word of knowledge. 
For me, words of knowledge, I've received, I remember the first time I really received, so let you into my process a little bit. When you get a word of knowledge, just say what you see or say what you hear. Some people see pictures, right? You get a picture, all of a sudden it comes to your mind or you hear something, right? Sometimes in dreams, you get a word of knowledge. We'll talk about that in a second. So I remember, I think it's 2002, I'm on a plane and all of a sudden I, I feel a word of knowledge come on me for the person sitting next to me, this young lady. It's like, it like the Holy Spirit just was on me like a blanket on the plane, just shoo. So I looked next to him and I said, young lady, you're from uh, Southern California, right? She said, yes. I said, not LA, but somewhere close. She said, well, I'm from Fresno, but now I live in Long Beach. I said, oh, you go to Long Beach State, right? And she said, yes. I said, you're a psychology major? She said, uh, yeah. I said, you're a sophomore there? She said, yes. I said, you have a friend named Tiffany? She said, I have two friends named Tiffany. What is going on? I said, I don't know. I usually don't do this unless there's music playing in the background. <laughs> All I know is that God, he really, really loves you. Jesus has an amazing plan for your life. I start prophesying about an extra anointing coming over your life. All these things. And this whole thing starts to lift. And the Lord said to me, ask her her name and tell her there's something very precious about her name. Pastor Latin, I literally said this. I said, okay, God, this has been so good. Why don't you just tell me her name? <laughs> and then I heard the Lord say, no, stick with the script. <laughs> Ask her her name and tell her something very precious about her name. So I said, the Lord is telling me there's something very precious about your name. What's your name? She said, my name is Zion. I said, Zion, did you know your name's in the Bible? So I turned to Isaiah 62 and I started reading. For Zion's sake, I would not keep silent till her name becomes a praise in the earth. And it goes on to say, and on land she be called married. And when I said married, she said, okay, I'm freaking out now because I'm traveling across the country to be in my cousin's wedding. I said, now the Lord's telling me there's something precious about your last name. What's your last name? She said, my last name is Reddy. I said, did you say Redding, like Otis Redding? She spelled it for me four times. Girl's name was Zion Reddy. And she was traveling from California to Kansas City to be in a wedding. And the Lord spoke to me and said, just as you have prophesied an Esther anointing over her life, I've betrothed myself to a fatherless Esther generation. And just as her major psychology, I'm majoring in the heart and soul of the next generation because there's a major battle going on for the heart of this nation. And I'm getting Zion ready for a wedding. And I'm marrying different races. I'm marrying different movements together. And the synergy of this agreement is going to break the power of the death culture in your nation. And this actually became a prayer strategy. We found to pray for America. And, and all I know is, shh. I've been flying ever since because I got a word of knowledge. So then I have friends who get words of knowledge that kind of just freak me out. You have, like I have friends, I have a spiritual son actually, who sometimes he gets phone numbers of other people through word of knowledge, all right? And uh, my friend Sean Bowles is kind of one of those guys. I came up to him after a meeting, just to give an example of what's available to you, okay? Came up to him after a meeting once <clears throat> and I was just kind of sitting in the back because I didn't want to, you know, bring attention to myself or whatever, just sit in the back because I wanted to talk to him afterwards. I walked up to him and said, Will, I didn't know you were here. He said, God had me write down words of knowledge for people. I felt like I had a word of knowledge for you and your wife, but I didn't see you here. But I feel like this word is for you and your family. You mind if I just test out what I felt like the Lord gave me in prayer? I said, sure. He said, uh, okay, do the dates uh, November 30th and June 
13th, did those dates mean anything to you? I was like, yeah, that's my birthday and my wife's birthday. He said, okay, here's what I have written down for this person. Let me show you this, see if this is you. New man will come to you from Martin Luther King to heal the race issue and to be part of a new movement to bring healing to our nation. I was like, what? Because I knew he didn't know anything about the dream that I'd had with Dr. King. And then he said this, hold up, let me make sure this is you. Does Fawn Valley 1017 mean anything to you? I was like, yeah, that's my address. And I went, it wasn't even the Holy Ghost. I just got scared, right? It did, it scared me. A year later, I wound up in a prayer meeting at the Lincoln Memorial with Dr. King's daughter and Dr. King's niece. And we did a foot washing using that kettle. And at the end of the service, the King family handed out mantles to many, several leaders, including me, to honor us for our work in the area of reconciliation. When they put the mantle on me, I thought, hold up, a mantle is coming to me from the King family at the place where he gave the speech on the anniversary when he was buried, Sean Bowles must be a prophet. That's what I thought. <laughs> but this is how words are not as work. And so God gives these a lot to confirm your ministry. And that's what he did to me, Peter. But then you also get word of knowledge for your business. It doesn't just happen for people with a microphone. All right. Peter, Luke 5, 5, what happens? He's out, you know the story, he's out, he's fishing. And... Um, he counters Jesus for the first time, the rabbi. And what does the Lord tell him? Say, cast your net on where? The other side. Cast your net on the other side. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. Look, I'm a, I'm a fisher. You're a preacher. You stick to preaching. I'll stick to fishing. But then he says, nevertheless, at their word, at thy word, I will let down the net. It's an interesting thing. He said, Nevertheless, at your word, that word word there is rhema. Well, he's talking to Mr. Logos. Anytime Mr. Logos gives you a word, it's always going to be a rhema moment. So y'all know the story. He lets down the net. The nets begin to break because so many fish. He had to call in other people to help him with the, with the load. Listen, that literally happened for a spiritual daughter of mine who lives in Alaska, her and her father. Father, his name is Mark Eden. 2008, they always forecast in the summertime how, uh, what to expect in terms of the fishing in, in Alaska. So the forecast that year was that it was going to be a bad fishing year, fishing summer. And it was. It sucked. It was horrible. So Mark is out there on his 52-inch commercial fishing boat. He's out there on the water. All of the boats have gone in, and he's about to go into Other guys, they're back looking at movies. He said that's what the fishermen, a lot of, a lot of times they do. They go back and they look at movies. Uh, uh, just waiting to see when the fish are going to bite. They have sonar equipment that tells you their schools of fish down. I remember Jimmy Dance from back in the day, the bass fishing shows. I got any bass fishermen in the house? <laughs> yeah, but um, they have these little sonar equipment that let you know if there's schools of fish around you. Nothing. Nothing's happening. Nothing's, nothing's popping. They're watching to see if there's jumpers on the water. Nothing. They're about to go in, and then all of a sudden, Mark Eden gets a word of knowledge from the Lord. Cash your net on the other side. Cash your net on the other side. He has a mile-long commercial fishing net that's about 12 fathoms deep. It's like, Lord, are you serious? 
He'd already pulled it in, so he tells his daughter and his crew, y'all, let's cast our net out there. Reluctantly, they threw it out. They're looking for jumpers, they don't see nothing. But then all of a sudden, Crystal said she saw jumpers, fish jumping. Then she saw the water begin to boil. And then his nets began to break. He had such a haul that came in. He had the radio to the guys back on the, he said, listen guys, Netflix and chill is over. We got, we got a harvest of fish we got to get in. I need your help because the nets are breaking. He caught 272,000 pounds of salmon. Because somebody got a word of knowledge in the workplace. How many of you want to get a word of knowledge in your workplace? Right, right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for an open heaven. I thank you for Logos' word and rhema moments being released over people right now. In the name of Jesus, whole new levels of creativity. People going to a whole new level. In the name of Jesus. Another workplace example. George Washington Carver. Love this story. You put his picture up. George Washington Carver saved agriculture in the South during the Dust Bowl era because of a word of knowledge about the peanut. <laughs> he was a godly Christian man. Here's what he said. He said, when I was young, I said to God, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. But God answered, that knowledge is for me alone. So I said, God, tell me the mystery of the peanut. And God said, well, George, that's more nearly your size. <laughs> and then he said, so he told me. Now, he said that there was, people said that was more, more anecdotal, but what, what was going on at the time period was that um, <clears throat> when they grew cotton, cotton depletes the soil so much of its nutrients and nitrogen and other things that you can't grow anything after you harvest it. And so George Washington Carver said, you know what, if y'all would plant peanuts, peanuts actually replenish the soil and so during those downtimes, you can plant peanuts, but nobody thought there was there any value to planting peanuts. So George Washington Carver goes on a fast for 10 days and he seeks the Lord for an answer. Here's what he says. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, separate the peanut into water, fats, oils, gums, resins, sugars, starches, and amino acids. Then recombine these under my three laws of compatibility, temperature, and pressure. Then the Lord said, then you will know why I made the peanut. George Washington Carver said, as I worked on projects which fulfilled a human need, forces were working through me, which amazed me. I would often go to sleep with an apparently insoluble problem, but when I wake up, the answer was there. Why then should we who believe in Christ be so surprised? This is not my words, this is George Washington Carver. Why then should we who believe in Christ be so surprised at what God can do with a willing man in a laboratory? Some things must be baffling to the critic who has never been born again. Isn't that powerful? The story is told he will walk in there with nothing but his Bible and his notepad and spend time with God and the Lord will speak to him. He was criticizing major newspapers. Universities like Harvard made fun of him. But over the years, they actually were trying to hire him to come and work at their schools, but he refused to. He stayed there at Tuskegee Institute for over 47 years, working and raising up other scientists. He said this, he said, I love to think of nature as an unlimited broadcasting station through which God speaks to us every hour 
if we'll only tune in. Question, who's tuning in? And question, how do you hear God? Me, for me, it's remembrance. Oh, and remembrance, I feel God, I hear God through remembrance and memory powerfully. I got other friends who hear God through nature. This is why you need to do MC Connect. Because when you do MC Connect, you'll understand how you connect with God through nature, through memory, all those different ways. And guess what? You'll get an open heaven over you. Words of knowledge coming. Encounters with God coming. Mr. Logos making sense of all the things around you in the middle of your chaos. <laughs> Sometimes also words of knowledge come through. Let me read this real quick. Andy Andrews said this about uh, George Washington Carver, he said, within 10 days, George Washington Carver had discovered more than 300 uses for the peanut. One trip to that, so, to that special place in the woods to talk with God not only enhanced race relations at the time, but also fundamentally changed the agricultural industry as we know it today, all because he listened to and felt the Spirit of God in his life. All right. Sometimes words of knowledge come through dreams and interpretation of dreams. Job 33, 14 says, For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man not perceives it. In a dream, in a vision in the night, when deep sleep falls upon him and slumbering upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. I love he says, he speaks once, yes, twice. How many of you pay attention to your dreams? Oh, that's so good. Keep a dream journal by your bed. At least keep your phone by your bed sometimes and record your dreams because to the degree that you steward your dreams, I'm telling you, God deposits some things in there in a powerful way. I think he's going to do that more with all of us in this congregation. So God, dreams are God's pillow talk where the lover of our souls shares his divine thoughts with us. And sometimes you get word of knowledge through dream interpretation. So there is once, I'm on a plane, and uh, it, wasn't, it was during the time where I didn't, I guess I didn't have the money to buy the real cool headphones, so I'm on the plane, and I didn't want to talk to anybody, because it's been like several ministry meetings or whatever, so I just wanted to be left alone, so I, put, I picked up the biggest, thickest book I could find to like, send the message, like, I'm into this book, don't, don't talk to me. But who sits next to me? Some lady who's like a chatty Cathy. If your name's Kathy here today, that's not a word of knowledge. That's just me poking fun. <laughs> but she was chatty, 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 just talking up a storm. And the Lord said, I want you to minister to her. Straighten up <laughs> and listen for her passion. So I did. I engaged her. We're talking. And she said, oh, my God, you see that mountain down there? I love to do mountain climbing. That's my passion. That's my passion. I said, Really? She said, yeah, matter of fact, that particular mountain right there has this cliff, I climb up it, and there's this cave, I go off in that cave. She said, I, I go to sleep there, and I spend days there sometimes. I said, while you're there, do you, do you dream? She said, yeah, actually, I keep having the same reoccurring dream when I'm there. And she, she was kind of new agey and the new age stuff, you know. And uh, I said, well, you know, I'm a dream interpreter. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so people just need folks to translate God for them. Everybody dreams, whether they're believers or not. So, so she said, in this dream, I'm in this living room and I feel all this peace and it feels so peaceful in that living room. I feel all this love and peace. But for some reason, I get up and I walk down this hallway. And as I walk down the hallway, I'm trying to open these doors, but none of the doors will open. 
Then I get into this one room that's really, really dirty, and I go into that room and I try to clean it up, but the more I try to clean it up, the dirtier I get. Same dream over and over again. I said, I think God has given me an interpretation for your dreams. She said, really? So yeah, the living room is where you were meant to live. You were meant to live in God's presence. All that peace, all that love you felt, at some point in time, you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. I said, you didn't say this, but I feel like when you were around about 15 years old, you gave your life to the Lord, but then you walked away from him and you tried to open all these other doors. Those were the doors that God closed for you to protect you from yourself. And the last room is where you are right now in your life. You're trying to clean up your life in a very dark time and you can't clean up your life without Jesus. She said, that's exactly right. She said, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15 at a youth camp. Then as I went to, went to college, I walked away from the Lord and tried to go through all these different things. Nothing happened, but she said, now I'm flying to Dallas. My best friend ran off with my husband who's a CEO in this, who lives in the area. And I'm in drug rehab. They let me out of rehab so I could deal with my divorce stuff today because I have a, a you know, drug addiction I'm dealing with. I said, it's not a mistake that God set us together here today on this plane. God loves you. And that passion that you have for other stuff, he wants to, he wants to give you a passion for him. I said, you're, you're prophetic. You don't realize it. This is going to make more sense to you later on in your life. I said, just like that mountain that you like to climb into, climb up the cliff of that rock and get into that cave, it's Song of Solomon 2.14 where it says, let me see your form, let me see your face, hide me in the cliff of the rock. And she said, did you say Song of Solomon 2.14? I said, yeah, she said 2.14. That's 2.14 is February 14th, that's Valentine's Day. I said, I told you you were prophetic, Jesus wants to be your Valentine. So I shared the gospel with her. She gave her life to the Lord on the plane because of a word of, yeah. Because of a word or not. Here's another one. Put up this gentleman right here. This is William Merle Voorhees. You'll love this one, Pastor Bob. William Merle Voorhees, he was an architect who went to Japan uh, and uh, went there before the, before the Second World War. He's an architect, gets saved, gets out of the practice. But when he gets into Japan, um, the YMCA asks him to do architect plans for their building, and he does. He starts an architect firm. The Lord says, start an architect firm, and the people who get saved, bring them into your business and disciple them and raise them up. And that's what he did. But then one day, William Melvoris was, you know, Japan, back then and still today, they were plagued with earthquakes. So William Merrill Voorhees has a dream one night. In the dream, he sees these spacers that he can put in different places in buildings so that if an earthquake happens, the building wouldn't fall down. He wakes up from the dream, puts together what he saw. Long story short, William Merrill Voorhees is the man who invented the earthquake-proof building. He's the one who came up with that idea. He also came up with another something that he got from a dream. In the dream, he saw these different ointments that he could take and put together and rub it on your chest and it released like this menthol kind of smell and it would vaporize your nose and your chest. In other words, William Merrill Voorhees is the man who invented methylatium because he got a word of knowledge through a dream. Listen, God wants to do the same thing with people here today. Amen. 
Let's look at this next lady. This is Madam C.J. Walker. Madam C.J. Walker, um, towards the end of slavery, she gets married twice to, to, to some horrible men. And uh, after her second marriage, she's working as a sharecropper. She gives her life to Jesus because she's so despondent. She gives her life to the Lord and her hair starts falling out. Not only her hair, but all the other women working on, uh, on the plantation where their hair starts falling out. And so she prays and says, God, what, what am I going to do about my hair, you know? Then she has a dream. In the dream, the Lord shows her roots and berries back in Africa that she could use and apply the other stuff that she had been using that would help her, help her hair to grow. So she does the dream. She orders the stuff. It takes months for it to come. But when she gets it, she mixes it all together and her hair began to grow back faster than it was falling out. And then she placed it on her friend's hair and their hair began to grow back faster than it was falling out. So she started Madam C.J. Walker's Miracle Hair Grow Company. And she became the first woman millionaire in America because she got a word of knowledge through a dream. So I have a spiritual son, like in the prophetic, good night. He's, my ceiling is his floor when it comes to the prophetic, prophetic ministry. And so I was telling Draper, I said, Draper, I'm preparing for his message today and I wanna talk about word of knowledge and I feel like God is expanding our thinking on it to talk about not just words of knowledge for a headache or whatever, but words of knowledge for like things he wants us to know how to do. And he said, yeah, that's just happened to me. He said, but two months ago, I had a dream and in the dream, I saw an ice cube and the Lord started showing me how to draw this ice cube. He said, I woke up in the dream and I had the ability to draw and paint and I never had that before. He said, let me see you what, what, I, what I drew. If you put the slide up, this is what he drew. That's not a simple little ice cube. God's divine logic comes and then gives him the ability to draw. He has other drawings. So here are, what are our takeaways from all this? First, when it comes to words of knowledge and giving them, operate in love. Love never fails. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. All right. Knowledge puffs up, scripture says knowledge puffs up, but love edifies and love, listen, never fails. Love is the motive, not knowledge. You only have authority over that which you love. Knowledge, words of knowledge tell someone that they are known by the God who loves them. Words of knowledge give us faith for life. Words of knowledge and prophetic ministry grows and develops by our intimacy with God. So God wants you to know he loves you and that he's alive and wants to be involved in your life. Reveal the gifts to others like Joseph did to his father and watch God revive those around you, All right? Let me share this one last story, got time. So I remember this one word of knowledge I had, I was at a conference. <clears throat> I go up to this young man, and I start telling him, your dream life is about to go to a whole nother level keys of authority are being released to you for dreams and they're going to be very, 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 very exact. Um, they won't be symbolic. They'll be in the moment things. So I get through praying for him. I'm like, that was pretty good. I said, how long you been dreaming? He said, oh, I've never had a dream before. I'm like, oh God, I missed it. 
I said, well, test everything, hope fast that was as good. Maybe, you know, maybe. I still feel like your dream life is about to go to another level. So I just left it at that. His name is Chris DiGiovanni. Never forget it. I hear from him a year later. He said, Mr. Ford, I've been wanting to connect with you for over a year. The day after you prayed for me, I had my first dream. He said, in the dream, I was a friend of mine and we're walking across the street and my friend gets hit by a car and he's flying through the air. Car hits him going 40 miles an hour. I knew that in the dream. It was 40 miles an hour. My friend is flying through the air. He falls down. Blood is everywhere. And in the dream, I walk up to him and the Holy Spirit says to me, decree life and healing over him. So in the dream, he decrees life and healing in Jesus' name, life and healing in Jesus' name. And in the dream, he sees the blood uh, dry up. He sees the wound healed on his friend and his friend lives. That was the dream. He said, so I was on a YWAM mission trip and I shared it with them and they thought, oh, you know, maybe it's symbolic. He said, but for some reason, I felt like it was literal. He said, well, later that day, I was walking across the street with a friend of mine and because he's from Australia, he looks for cars coming from the opposite direction. He gets hit by a car going 40 miles an hour. My friend is flying through the air and while he's flying through the air, the Lord reminded me of the dream. He sees his friend laying down, he's unconscious, he sees blood everywhere, sees a wound on his head, and he's, the Lord says, do the dream. <laughs> Question, what are you doing with your dreams? Do the dream. He decrees life and healing in Jesus' name, life and healing in Jesus' name. His friend comes to, the wound heals in front of his eyes. By the time the ambulance gets there, he's well. So they couldn't believe that he was hit by a car going 40 miles an hour. So they kept him in the hospital for a week, checking him out. And they couldn't find anything wrong. Thankfully, a businessman paid the $10,000 hospital bill. All because he responded to a word of knowledge. That's what's, to, that's what's available to you in this whole realm. I'll close with this. George Washington Carver said, no individual has any right to come into the world and go out of it without leaving behind them a distinct and legitimate reasons for having passed through it. Stand to your feet. So, We have a couple of words of knowledge and then just two ministry team here, the staff, y'all get anything, please come up. Cause not every service is the same. Connor in the service before us told Jasmine, he said that I had a, he had a word of knowledge that there was somebody here who had a, a boot or a cast on their leg and that the Lord wanted to heal him. Jasmine announced that this young lady, only one person comes up with a boot on her leg. And she gets healed. And here's the boot to prove it. The beautiful thing about the gifts of the Spirit of the giver is the giver. He's alive. He's alive. And he wants to be actively involved in your life. So first for spiritual healing, if you're here and you don't know 
Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Yeah, maybe you've been wrecked by life. But Mr. Logos wants to release a rhema word into your moment right now to bring healing to you. So you're here. You don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand. We want to pray with you. You want to know him. Anybody at all? Maybe online. Just repeat this prayer to me, everybody. Father God, I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Fill me with your Spirit and the power of your love. I lay down my life to receive the gift of your life. Jesus' name, amen and amen. Never want to take that for granted. Other thing I want to hit on, we talked about this in the first service too. My wife this week was dealing with an issue with her. She actually been doing, dealing with it for about two months. Couldn't fly on planes without feeling pressured. I mean, pressure that made her cry. She had water in her ear because of a complication from, uh, from allergies. She went to an allergist. He saw the water in her ear. He thought, okay, try this. They tried all these different things. Then finally, he sends her to, sends her to an ear, not ear, nose, and throat doctor. But before she gets to the doctor, she has a dream. And in the dream, her, her ears are hurting so badly that she's about to go deaf in the dream. She wakes up in the dream with pain. It alarms her. But later on, I thought, hold up. That dream was actually a word of knowledge from the Lord. There's a deaf and dumb spirit trying to attack my wife. In the natural and in the spirit, trying to block her hearing because she encounters so many people and releases words of knowledge. It was an attack against her ministry. So I go into the room. I pray for her. Other people are afraid. Two days later, she goes to the eye, nose, and throat doctor. And after having fluid in her ear for over a month he looks at her and says oh there's no fluid in your ear matter of fact your ears are perfect there's nothing wrong with your ears there's nothing wrong with your hearing it's perfect the Lord healed her but as I share that right now I believe there are people here right now there's some people right now you're struggling with the same thing with your inner ear raise your hand if that's you raise your hand thank you Lord thank you Lord Thank you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Here's what we want to do. Mercy, Mercy, Club, uh, Mercy Culture family. If you're around anybody with their hand raised up right now, take your hand out your pocket <laughs> and put it on somebody. And let's watch God do what he does to do best. Lord, we thank you for healing right now in the name of Jesus. We come against every deaf and dumb spirit that's trying to block, hinder, thwart, malign people's health people's spiritual health in the name of Jesus we command you to go right now in the name of Jesus we thank you for healing being released we thank you for Lord spiritual hearing going to a whole nother level as well in the name of Jesus we hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church if this podcast has blessed you we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com.